Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm your host, Dr. Roberta Shaler, and today I want to add something that I started with a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about intimate terrorism. Today I want to talk about emotional terrorists. It's really important that you understand these eight telltale signs that you're with or have been with or were raised by an emotional terrorist. It makes all the difference in how you think about yourself and other humans, how safe you feel in the world. And this episode will be life-changing for one or two people who will not have known what happened to them, and it will make all the difference to recognize that they were raised by or have been with an emotional terrorist. Welcome to Save Your Sanity, help for handling hijackles, those difficult, toxic, and often disturbing people in your life. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. You'll get the insights, skills, strategies, and support to stop tolerating verbal and emotional abuse, whether it's happening now or it happened to you in the past, maybe by a parent, partner, ex, relative, or even a co-worker. Time to take life back, to recover and to rediscover you your values, dreams, desires, and realize them in healthy ways in healthy relationships. I'm so glad you're here. Have you ever felt like you had to be on guard all the time? You almost had to have your head on a swivel because you didn't know where you were going to be attacked from, or that you felt unsafe most of the time, especially at home? These are things that would give you a clue that you are with what I call an emotional terrorist. They have eight telltale signs that I'm going to share with you today. Yes, they have more, but these are the eight main big things that you need to really have a big think about. About because we don't like the idea that these things are happening to us, and we don't like the idea that we are allowing these things to happen to us or have allowed these things to happen to us if they're now in the past. And whether this person that you have in mind is a parent or a partner currently or a former partner, an ex. It doesn't really change the fact that you will have experienced this emotional terrorism and that you have had an emotional terrorist in your life. So this hypervigilance that comes is always looking over your shoulder, this trying to think everything through before you say or do anything for the possible impact, how you could be picked apart, how it could be misconstrued, how it could be twisted. All of these are definite things that happen when you are with an emotional terrorist. So I'm going to take you through these eight and I invite you to make a note of them because they're big. 
And each one of them will take you down a whole lot of thinking. So you'll want to think about them later or re-listen to this podcast and certainly share this podcast with people that you know that need to understand what has happened to you or that need to understand what is currently happening to them. So this is the first time I'm really getting into this field that I am working on on emotional terrorism. And so let's go with the eight telltale signs that you're with or have been with an emotional terrorist. And it won't come as a big shock to you that number one is they are controlling. And controlling can be mild and it can be extremely severe, but they want to control every aspect of their life, particularly if something has shown up in the relationship and they felt that they didn't control it and now they feel it's out of hand. So they want to extremely control it and anything that seems like they do not have the ultimate say on it, they start bringing in that to the way that they treat you. And they want to make all the decisions. They want everything to happen their way. Now, sure, every now and again, they don't care because they're doing a little love bombing and they want you to think you have a voice and they want to be able to tell you that, oh yes, I let you made that decision. But you notice in that, that they're even saying, I let you make a decision. That's still controlling. They make all the decisions and they believe it is their right to make all their decisions. It's the only thing that keeps them feeling safe is to be in control. And this control can expand. It can be refusing you, refusing to allow you to complete your education or to get more education. They won't let you do that because then you might get some bright idea that you are not needing to be in their control. Or maybe they want to control you at work so they harass you on your job or they threaten to call your boss or they triangulate with your coworkers. Or maybe they do something that you may not have thought of as controlling, but they undermine your job by picking a fight really late at night so you'll be exhausted in the morning and maybe unable to function or a little bit foggy, and that will jeopardize your job. But they will have done it on purpose. Or you'll think that they're going to look after the children so you can go to work, and then suddenly... They undermine your career, your job, your income by suddenly not showing up to do the childcare that they promised. So there's so many ways of controlling. They like to control how you look. They like to control what you wear. They like to control whether or not you have a car and whether you can use that car. So many ways of controlling. So number one telltale sign of an emotional terrorist, they will be controlling. And number two is coercion. They want to make you do things, make you think things. And so they, they want to get you to do things you don't want to do by using threats if you don't comply. So they coerce you into doing it. You don't see another option. And they make it very clear that they're both willing and able to impose punishment if they deem it's necessary. 
So they want you to do what they want you to do and only what they want you to do. And if you don't do it, they either imply, infer, or directly threaten you with something if you don't comply with how they want it. Does that sound at all familiar? You know, it, it can be something simple. If you don't do it, I won't talk to you. They'll give you that great emotional terrorism, silent treatment. It could be something much worse. If you don't do what I want, I'll tell all your friends something awful about you that I've made up and it will ostracize you from your friends and just watch me. And that's the way they work. So they want to coerce you. Now, I'm going to do an episode in a few weeks on coercive control. So just know that that's coming. But, you know, we've got controlling now and we've got coercion. And number three is isolation. They want to isolate you. So they are the only provider, the only source you have of information or support or money or even your self-esteem. And they'll give you your opinions and they'll tell you what to think and they'll tell you how to think and they'll tell you the consequences of not agreeing with them because, of course, they're coercive. So they try to isolate you and this can extend to taking away your car, conveniently breaking or losing your phone, choosing a home that is way far away from your family and friends or way far away from neighbors they will isolate you physically and they will suggest and it may sound reasonable and plausible to you that the better job opportunities are in some remote place where you have no connection to another human and you will agree to go for the better of the family and the whole idea when you actually really realize it, feel it, recognize it, is that you are now completely isolated from any human help. And so isolation is a big telltale sign. If they try to get you away from your friends, get you away from your family, and they'll do that by saying terrible things about your friends and your family, and they hope that you'll choose them. They try to make you choose them so then they can isolate you out with them. Oh, that's a bad one. It really is a bad one because you end up being totally dependent on them and it will increase the potential for the trauma bonding when you're isolated. Now, I've, I've done an episode on trauma bonding and we talk about it frequently, but it will increase the potential for trauma bonding when you are isolated and dependent upon the hijackal for everything. And that's the intention of isolation. Now, I'm sure that you know my term hijackal, but if you don't, it is my term so that we don't have to have a psychological diagnosis of narcissism or sociopathy or psychopathy or histrionic or borderline, we can just talk about the patterns, traits, and cycles of people whom I call hijackals. And the definition of hijackal is a hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship for his or her own purposes, and then relentlessly they scavenge that relationship for power, status, and control. And they do it at home within the bounds of the relationship. And then they pretend out in public that they are the most wonderful person on the earth. 
All right, so we've got controlling, coercion, and isolation if you're writing them down. Now we're at number four, and this one is just soul-destroying. It is surveillance. Now, I know that sounds like it's something that belongs to the police and the detectives and the FBI, but it happens when you are with an emotional terrorist. They are surveilling. They call you all the time. They text you all the time. They want to know where you are. They want to know with whom you are. They want to know what you're doing. They want to know what time you will be somewhere, and they expect you to be there within three minutes. Otherwise, they become suspicious. So they need to know where you are. They need to know where you aren't. And they threaten to punish you for misbehavior. So it's an anxiety-producing thing to have this surveillance. Have you ever had somebody blowing up your phone? You know, maybe you're in a bathroom. Maybe you're at the dentist and your mouth is full of implements and you can't answer the phone. And it rings and it rings and it rings and it rings. That's surveillance. And what they are doing is they're looking for behavior that requires their correction. They're trying to catch you out doing something that requires them to correct your behavior, to teach you a lesson, to tell you how wrong and bad you are. And it's a psychological attack on your self-esteem that's going to come any moment when they think that they can tell you that you didn't do what they that you said you were doing or you didn't do it at the moment or they don't believe where you are. And they will do other kinds of surveillance. I've had clients, and I have clients all over the world, many, many countries. I've had clients who have, we've had to take the car, their car in to be checked for GPS monitoring, tracking devices, surveillance things, cameras being put in the car. They've had their phones checked for all kinds of apps and software because this surveillance is continuous and it's insidious. They will do it everywhere. You will find cameras in your house in the most unusual places. They are paranoid about you, and you have to be under their control. So they're constantly surveilling. Where are you? What are you doing? Are you doing it well enough? Did you tell the truth? Even if you told the truth, they'll tell you you're lying. Oh, emotional terrorism. That's what it is. Isn't that what it feels like? It is just like being a captive held hostage and then being militaristically observed at every moment and nothing is good enough. Okay, we've got controlling, coercion, isolation, and surveillance. Now, number five, they will engage in verbal and what I call identity abuse. And what I mean by that is that they are going to create a terror in you so strong that you feel your life is not your own. You just feel like you are spending every waking minute and every breath you have trying to stay out of the doghouse with them and be good enough to receive even a modicum of approval for a millisecond. And so they have usurped your, your identity. You don't know who you are anymore. You are now the person that they tell you you are. And they'll wear you down and put you down and tear you down. And pretty soon, especially if you're isolated, especially if you have been controlled and they have learned how to control you, then they will begin to work on you beginning to believe and truly believing in your own worthlessness. 
They will tell you that you're stupid or incompetent or lazy. Or then they'll say that you're oversexed or you're undersexed or you're frigid. Or that you're a bad parent or a useless partner and nobody would want you. And aren't they wonderful for putting up with you? You know, I can almost hear you listening to this going, Oh, I've heard those things. I have heard those things from the person who I really hoped loved me. And they can't. They don't have love to give you. Hijackals don't have love to give you. They only have uses for you. Oh, I know that sounds awful. You don't want it to be true, but it is true. Hijackals don't have love to give you. They only have uses for you. Mm, awful, but it's true. And so when we get into this place of understanding that the verbal abuse is there to take away our identity, to have them define who you are, they will tell you who you are. They will tell you how you are. They will gaslight you into telling you that you, they know who you are and what you want and what you need and what you think and what you feel as well. And under that whole number five of verbal and identity abuse, they are gaslighting you all the time, as well as putting you down and tearing you down. It's crazy making. It constantly causes you to second guess yourself, question your sanity, wonder if you're the one with a problem. Well, you certainly are the one with one problem, but you are not the emotional abuser. And so this becomes a big, big issue. And then number six is removing your will to resist or your ability to resist. Now, Michael P. Johnson has written a great book about all these things. It's, it's quite an, a um, professional study. It's called The Topology of Domestic Violence. But he talks about these things in there, about the removal of our will to resist what's going on and the removal of our willingness to resist, our ability and our willingness to resist. So emotional terrorists convince you that they have the right to punish and control you. And they will say that they are the legitimate head of the household. And they have that right. And you know where this really shows up? It shows up when people also spiritually abuse you. They abuse you in the name of some spiritual or religious doctrine. And they will tell you, you are my property. I am the one who decides what happens in this household. It happens my way. It is my absolute right to run this place. And you are nothing. You are my servant. You are the person who doesn't know what to think or do or be unless I tell you. And they wear you down until sometimes you start thinking that's true. And that is spiritual abuse as well as verbal and identity abuse. Do you see that? Do you clearly see how you could be brainwashed into thinking that they have the right to define your reality and tell you whether or not you're a good person? And I know I've worked with many people who are being spiritually abused because hijackals who who adopt some certain set of religious or spiritual principles just love to judge everybody by those principles and tell everybody else how wrong they are 
or how imperfect they are or how they're not living up to the principles while they are doing exactly the same thing not living up to them at all by having all these judgments and all this control and all this coercion and the isolation, all of these things and the surveillance. So they just wear you down. After a while, you don't know where to turn. And then you become trauma bonded. You turn for attachment to your abuser. And now you're really caught because they've isolated you and they're the only human that you see and when you, an adult human usually, and when that adult human comes in, you want them to love you. So you go to them for that attachment. And then they believe they can do anything they want to you and they hurt you. And then you go to them for comfort. And then you get in that crazy making situation where your abuser becomes your hero, becomes your abuser, becomes your hero. And pretty soon you don't know where to turn and which way is up. And that's emotional terrorism. And you really need to get that. And if you're, in, if you're caught in it right now, it may be really hard to hear these things. And that's why I suggested that you write them down because you're going to want to listen a few times. Yes, I had never thought of it that way, you may be thinking. Yes, it started so slowly. And yes, now that's the way it is. So removing your will or ability to resist is a big deal. So there's eight telltale signs that you're with or have been with an emotional terrorist. We're now on number seven. One of the ways they take control over you and coerce you is through economic deprivation, financial abuse. They take away all the income. They run the show. They take over the money. They then say, ah, why should I give you anything? You're worthless. Why should I pay for this? I had one client one time whose husband consistently gave her a little less household money each month. And each time she said, that's not enough to feed the children. He said, you're not a very good manager, are you? And he blamed her for not being able to buy the food for the family from the ever lessening amount of money that he gave her. Now, I'm really happy that we work together and she is no longer with that person. But that was very, very telling. That was this economic deprivation and dependency that he wanted to create. If you want a hairpin, you will have to ask me for it. Now, it works the other way too. Women like Women hijackers like to take over the money and then they complain that they don't have enough. Get me more, get me more, get me more. You know, you just don't keep me in the style to which I wish to become accustomed. And they're very high maintenance and they keep demanding more and they end up with all the money, just like male hijackers do. I've had clients whose hijackal husband, in the case I'm thinking of, and I've had it in probably six cases that I can immediately think about where the husband was keeping money in a separate hidden account all the time. A couple of them were in another country. And then they would say, we don't have enough money. And they would not give the partner access to the account. So the partner was completely in the dark, but knew 
pretty much how much money had to be coming in and could not find it and never had any to spend. That's economic deprivation. That's the tight control of the money. And they take it away and take it away. They'll take your paycheck. They'll take your welfare check. They'll take your child support. And you won't have any money to buy groceries, but they will have all the money and be determining that they have the right to do that. And we'll go back to number six, removing your ability to resist, because then they come with the argument that I am the head of the household. I know what it takes. I make the rules. You will obey my rules. All right, so we've got controlling, coercion, isolation, surveillance, verbal and identity abuse, removing your will or ability to resist, economic deprivation, and now the last one. And this is one that you may not want to entertain. And I just want to say that before I even say the word, because if it's happened to you, it's shocking. And if it didn't happen to you yet, you don't want to think about it. But number eight is violence. And it is the end result of coercive control. They will hurt you. They will grab you. They will throw you. They will push you. They will choke you. They will do anything they want to you after a particular length of time. And that is the final and not always the result of emotional terrorism. But I have to include it because it may or may not happen, but you must know that any time that they hurt you physically, that is what is called in the United States a crime of violence. And people are not allowed to hurt other people physically. So if there is a mark put on you, get a photograph of it immediately. If you are hurt, call the police. If you are hurt, call an ambulance. Do what you need to do to have any physical violence recorded. You must have a police or hospital report. And don't don't care if it's just, you know, you're saying to yourself, oh, it's just a bruise. No, it is violence. And nobody has the right to bruise another human being. So, You know, when I was mentioning Michael P. Johnson's book, The Topology of Domestic Violence, he says that violence is the required element to really call it intimate violence and to really call it intimate terrorism by his definition. So I want to separate that out to say that not all emotional terrorists will become violent, but I wanted to include it because it's so important for you to watch for the signs of it. And if it starts, you make it stop fast by calling the police, by telling everybody what happened. And don't worry if he or she is going to lose their job over it. Don't worry. Yes, I know you won't have any money, but you will still be alive to go and get a job. And that's what matters the most. So big alarm bells today. The eight telltale signs you're with an emotional terrorist. If you need to talk to me, if this has set up something in you that says, no, I need to stop this now. How do I do it? You can always come and talk to me. Go to beaclient.com. Beaclient.com. The initial one hour full session I offer that to you for only $97. Go to beaclient.com. 
Otherwise, find me at transformingrelationship.com. Transformingrelationship.com. And also on YouTube, my channel is called For Relationship Help. I really hope you take this to heart. It can save your life. If you know someone who is confiding in you that they are experiencing emotional terrorism, get them to listen to this. Sit with them while they listen to it. Sit with them while they cry and talk about it. Be there for them. Because it's certainly much better to be there to listen to them than to be sitting listening to their eulogy. Be that friend. I hope that this has struck a chord in you, that you understand that no one, no one deserves emotional terrorism. And I hope that this will set you on a path to recognizing even the tiny beginnings of it. And I'll be happy to help you learn to set strong, non-negotiable boundaries so there will not be even another second of it in your relationship without consequences. I'm glad you were here. I hope you'll subscribe so that you will hear every episode and come on over to the YouTube channel for Relationship Help, F-O-R, Relationship, H-E-L-P. Every Monday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time, there's a live stream there for you where I talk about a topic and you can share your stories, your concerns, ask your questions and be part of the conversation. So until we speak again and next week's episode is out, Take very good care of yourself because you're precious, you matter, and I hope you'll treat yourself that way. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart and empowered you to move forward. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins with you within you today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor. I'm Roberta Shaler, and I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. So learn more at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, Relationship, H-E-L-P.com, or visit me on YouTube at For Relationship Help. Join me for next week's show.